0: Welcome to More Like This, a podcast from Netflix Q, the journal that celebrates the people, ideas, and process of creating great entertainment. I'm Krista Smith. I've spent over 20 years interviewing some of the biggest names in Hollywood. And on this show, I'm bringing you fresh new perspectives from across the entertainment industry with the kind of access only Netflix can offer. On this episode, actor, writer, and director Coleman Domingo graces us with his presence and his captivating baritone. From Broadway to television, and of course the big screen, Domingo has amassed a 30-year career in the industry. The Butler, Selma, Euphoria, and Fear of the Walking Dead are just a few of his projects you may be familiar with. Plus, of course, the multi-award nominated film Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Please welcome to our show... Coleman Domingo.
1: Thank you so much. It's good to be here.
0: So where in this world am I finding you today?
1: You're finding me in the third ring of hell, which is also known as Texas. Um, (laughs) We're doing okay. We're, We're climbing out of it today. The weather has given us a break, a little bit of a reprieve, but I have heat, electricity, water. I'm okay. And I got my health, you know? So that's where I am.
0: You're one of my absolute favorite journeyman actors because I love people that have so so much talent and can do everything. You've won every award you can possibly win in theater, right? Your your resume is amazing. Uh, you're a writer, a director, actor, you. producer. You do it all, and you've been in things like from theater to then Walking Dead to Lincoln to Selma. I mean you you are genreless you're periodless, like you can do anything.
1: Thank you. You know, I think I've worked I've worked hard for that, you know, to, uh, because I think that, you know, early in your career, you know, I've been doing what I'm doing for over 30 years now. And I think early in your career, they want you to make a choice and pigeonhole you or limit you in some way. And I've always considered myself a, a true character actor. And I wanted to do the classics and comedies and circus work and you name it, sketch comedy. So my career, I have done all of that stuff because I know I had to just follow my my truth in that way and say, this is the way I like to tell stories. And I don't necessarily have to be in front of the camera or on stage. I can be a playwright and a director because I'm interested in all of it. I have questions about all of it. So I think that's what, that's the only thing that's really driven me in my career is having questions about everything. So if I have if I have deep burning questions about a subject or a medium, I, I wouldn't try to figure it out. And so I think that's why I, I move around like that in the spaces.
0: Mm. Well, it's it's interesting. I was reading in your bio, you actually majored in journalism, which makes a lot of sense to me because, you know, as mm. a journalist, we're very outward looking. We're we're very we're looking at details and examining human behavior and nature and store and and then telling stories. And Viola Davis, obviously, who I had interviewed earlier, who's going to be on the show. Talks about how important it is for an actor to observe. So, get me to majoring yes. in journalism to being an actor for the past 30 years.
1: You know what? I went to Temple University where I was studying journalism, and I, I was constantly bumping up against my teachers, my news writing teachers, who said that I was too florid in my writing. I took an acting class as an elective, actually, because I was very shy. And my mother thought it was a good idea for me to get outside of myself. And so I, I did that. And one of my professors, he told me that I, I he believed that I was gifted in this art form. And I'd never heard I was gifted in anything. You know, you know I was 19, 20 years old. I was trying to figure out what that was. And uh, and so I decided to take him up on it. And I started taking some classes off campus and really studying the craft. And I, and I fell in love. And I fell in love with... Being able to tell a story, I guess the same thing that I wanted to be a journalist for or wanted to be an archivist in some way and talking about our humanity. But this was just in an active way as an artist and being in the center of it in that way. And I didn't, honestly, I think growing up, I was, I never would think that I'd be doing this for a living. Never. I was the observer. I was a classic observer. I was on the school newspaper. I was a nerd. I was a geek. I wasn't cool, but I watched everyone. And I think that's what helps me do the work that I do because I watch so deeply and I'm trying to figure that stuff out. And then I know how to translate that into uh, action and work as an actor or a writer or director. In order for you to be good at what we're doing as artists, we have to have interest in so many things. And so I think that that's why I'm I'm very curious and I remain that way. And I keep that as part of my sort of my practice as well.
0: I feel like for Viola, this is such a, a huge moment for her to play Ma Rainey. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what it's like to one, watch Viola do her thing and then to interact with Viola. W- what was that experience like?
1: Well, it's in two parts, I think. I think it's a strange question for, my, for me when, when people ask me uh, when I watched Viola, because I, it's hard because I was, I was in Cutler you know, what, right. you know what I mean? I was right. I was I was um, be, I, I was I was being beholden to Cutler, so I wasn't watching Viola. I was watching Ma, and <laughs> and I think that the way that we had to operate, we so, there's a volley. There's you know who is the in the position of power in the room, and you have to volley off of that. You have to listen to where's her voice, and then how do I play off of it? You have to play like 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 a band. You're like okay if that's the high note. I need to go a little low and get in there to get what I need and play. So it's like, it's playing a great tennis match. She's a great player. You know what I mean? That, that's what I love work, working with Viola. She can go anywhere. And then um, the, the one scene in particular I loved working with her on is that very quiet scene when she's talking about what people think about her. They call her every dog in the book and all that. And it's just this quiet little scene. And I love that they just sit there and there's some breath. And there's one moment that I hold so dear because I knew I wanted us to touch. I thought we had to hold hands or some, something, but very slight, because I think that it's an opportunity for Cutler to show how much he cares and, she, and for Mona to show how much she cares for people. And so she's not just brusque and pushing through the world. But she does it because she cares and she loves deeply, and it's just that moment right before people come back before they come back in with her two Coca Colas, and they just she says um, it's all right by me and puts her hand in mine, and then the way that the way it went is they opened the door and we pulled our hands away pretty quickly because I wanted to make sure that Ma in this whole system was still looked at as the head that I didn't want to I didn't want to show her her uh, sensitive side because I wanted her to be respected as the head. You know, Mm -hmm. so, and she, and Viola loved that too. She was like, she would look at me and she would just give me a hand and it was just, it was just lovely. When I was like, oh, Cutler's the one who can make her smile, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know?
0: We'll jump back in with Coleman in a few minutes, but first let's hear some highlights from my interview with Viola Davis. I'm thrilled to bring you today's interview with actress and producer Viola Davis. She's an Oscar winner, a Tony winner, an Emmy winner. The list of accolades she's received during the course of her career goes on and on. And this year, she has delivered another astonishing and celebrated performance in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, based on the play by August Wilson.
2: They don't care nothing about me. All they want is my voice. Well, I done learned that. And they're gonna treat me the way I wanna be treated no matter how much it hurt them. They're back there right now calling me all kinds of names, calling me everything but a child of God. But they can't do nothing else because they ain't got what they wanted yet. As soon as they get my voice down on one of them recording machines, then it's just like I be some whore and they roll over and put their pants on. They ain't got no use for me then.
0: Viola is also a leader in the Hollywood community, never shying away from talking about the inequities in our business or turning the spotlight on issues that should have our attention. I always think of her as a pace setter, the work that she does and the example that she sets. And then there is her voice. Here is a legend in her own time, Viola Davis. Viola Davis, thank you so much for making the time to come and talk with me. Congratulations on all of your nominations that you have received for your performance and this film Ma Rainey's Black Bottom which is very exciting so I'm just going to get right into it with you what were the emotions that were churning through your body when you first got this script and you knew that you were going to play Ma or it was offered to you the option was there well,
2: it's the emotion that always is my first emotion with anything because I'm an actor. I, the imposter syndrome is very real for actors. <laughs> so the first emotion is always fear, only because it's a behemoth of a role. Mm. It, it is only because you don't... You, it, it, it's not an entire narrative that is about her she occupies what 20 something minutes, you know, probably of the movie. Mm-hmm. And so in those minutes, you have to show all of who she is. You don't have the benefits of, of a movie. You, you know, you don't have the benefit of seeing her in her private life mm-hmm. in bed with Dusty May alone with herself, you know, at home. So fear <laughs> that's the answer to answer your question. And really for me, it lets me know that I'm pushing myself at least that I'm not always going to get everything right, but at least I'm going to run that ball. Mm -hmm. Even if I'm running it in the wrong direction, I'm running with it.
0: (laughs) I love that analogy. Well, I have to say, like, when I first saw this movie, and I've seen it a couple times, I, you know, you're just transfixed by her present, her physicality, the makeup, the way she holds her body. And I couldn't get over the way you sit as Ma on that chair. And, and then you realize, like, there was not a huge amount of material on Ma Rainey, right, in terms no, of research, uh-uh. like, but yet, she feels so layered and so specific. And I, I just want to, talk to you about how you threaded that as an actress to come to the place where you arrived at at this fully formed character.
2: Well, I always say that you have to rely on as well when you're playing a real character, you have to rely on your research, everything. It's called given circumstances. She, you know, everything, you know, from the gold teeth to the makeup to how people said she looked to you know, her being a bisexual. You have to rely on all that, okay? Mm-hmm. That is who she was. You can't change it, you can't alter it. But then after that, you have to fill it in with what you know about life. I know women like Ma. Mm. I, I, I've seen them in my life, in my family. So what is she thinking at this moment? What is she feeling at this moment? The big thing for me with Ma is very soon after this, she will be rendered extinct. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Her career will be over. How does that sort of um, propel you and motivate you throughout your life, even in that recording studio? I think that was a huge part of it, too. Y'all are not even respecting me. And, mm. and, and and so that's a huge part of it. And also I'm dealing with a very immature bandmate who's making passes at my woman. That's my woman. She belongs to me. This is my band. So you take everything that they're experiencing in life, everything, and you put it in your psyche at any given time. And so those, that stream of consciousness, that I tried to inject her with as much as I could.
0: Mm-hmm. At that moment in time, that we as an audience members are introduced to her, there's so much going on. Like you said, in that in that recording studio, and the Coca-Cola scene to me was just such a great example of like of like owning that power, understanding the value, and then demanding to be respected in the framework of that power. Well, you know what,
2: Krista. A part of the fear that I have, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, is I know that most of the critics and most of the audience will be white. Mm -hmm. And not all of them, because I don't want to be bold and say most of them don't, but a lot don't understand Black lives. OK, and the setup to that, I say all that to say that I think that people will look at that moment with the Coca-Cola and reduce it, reduce it to just a diva moment where someone is just like demanding, you know, make sure I have Hershey's chocolate bar in my trailer at five o'clock,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
2: she's mm-hmm. just being a diva
0: mm-hmm.
2: as opposed To the depth of what is happening and honoring August Wilson and his legacy, the depth of what's happening is she is fighting invisibility. And not just invisibility of a profession where she will be rendered extinct by the more bebop, faster jazz blues musicians like Bessie Smith, Mamie Smith, you know, Billie Holiday, who's going to come after her, but also being rendered invisible by a culture. You're in the height of Jim Crow. You're in the 1920s where you had a huge, this is Ida B. Wells te- territory, where you had a huge number of lynchings. You have the only place that black people could perform is in Chitlin circuit shows where they were doing derogatory characters like her and Pa Rainey were doing coon face shows. That's the only way that they could express their art Mm -hmm. (laughs) was by doing derogatory things. So they're fighting a culture, a world that doesn't see their value at all. Jim Crow laws, you're black, black, eighth, black, quarter, black. You have no rights. You don't get paid as much. You can't copyright your material. You know, Ray Charles is the first one who was able to do that. That's what the Coca-Cola is about. Mm -hmm. It's no, see me, value me. All of you value me. I am worth something, you know, and it's filtered through a request, a seemingly insignificant request of Coca-Cola because, you know, that's the least you could do for me
0: that's what I think makes that scene so powerful is because she has to do that. Otherwise she's going to get just run over and exploited. And that is a very valid, you know, part of that diva behavior, but this is not, this is, I, I I feel this is why people have responded so deeply to this and also to August Wilson's work. I want to take you back in time a little bit. So I had a couple questions for you. when you were a child and you're mm-hmm. in high school, and it's from what I've read and know about you, that's kind of when you found your calling in in theater and in acting. What drew you into theater? What drew me into theater
2: was poverty and trauma.
0: Mm.
2: I'm going to be honest with you. That's what drew me in, and, and, and the sheer, like, passionate need to be somebody. In response to my poverty and trauma, I needed, I needed to blow a hold into this, in, into this life, because my entire childhood was about just survival, fighting, fighting to keep my head above water. I don't care what anyone says. When you're poor, you're invisible. The side effects of it are extreme. You have no opportunity or access to opportunity. Nobody sees you. You're in, a, you're in the hole. And the thing about acting is you could channel all of what is in you into a character and use it. And when the audience sees it, the more you use it, the better you are at what you do. And it heals you. Because where else in life do you have permission to to spew, to give all of what's inside of you, whether it's pain or joy or an idea or your imagination, where else do you have permission to channel that? Art gives you that permission. It is a sacred space. And so when I first performed and I literally got the applause, and this is coming from a life where I'm running and people calling me, you ugly, you black, you Mm -hmm. this or you this, and me chucking them the finger and running and crying and showing them my tail. (laughs) I mean, I was (laughs) a fighter. To go from that to getting the applause, to being seen are you kidding me? That was it. That's what drove me. Mm-hmm. I really did work hard. But what I had, it was courage. Necessary courage. Um, there is nothing like the courage that comes from having no other choice. It's like the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you discover why you were born. I needed to get out And then when, I, when you find that thing, that passion, it then becomes undeniable. The drive, the, the, the going to Rhode Island College, the getting the degree, the going to Juilliard, the becoming a professional actress at 23, all of that was achieved through drive, hmm. not necessarily confidence. Not necessarily courage, because drive can operate separate from all that. I say all that to say all of it came from a need to make a mark in the world. I- I'm not going to lie. Make a mark in the world. Be someone. My name is Viola Davis, and this is who I am. I want people to know who I am.
0: I mean, Viola, it is just I could talk to you forever. We haven't even gotten into Meryl Streep. I got so many more questions for you, but I want to be mindful of your time. But you are just, I mean, to watch you on screen, no matter what you're doing, whether it's a small screen or a big screen, you just, you can't take your eyes off of you. So your significance is deeply felt. Thank you so much, Krista.
2: It was great talking to you. (laughs)
0: Now, let's jump back in with Coleman. So let's talk a little bit about Ma Rainey. Um, And for you, getting cast in that, you're the band leader, you play Cutler, you've got scenes with everybody, you're right in the mix of it. So just tell me about being cast in that and that process of working with George and then in turn working with Viola and Chadwick and who plays Levy, where you guys, I, I want... Specifically, to talk about that scene when you guys really go head to head, but just we'll just start at the beginning for now.
1: I've I got this wonderful offer. I was uh, in New York doing some press for something else, and my agents and managers happened to be there with me. And that's a rare opportunity, they're never there with me, but we're all there together. And they said, Hey, we just got off the phone and we have an offer for you to play Cutler in Mallorini's Black Bottom. I was like, What? They were like, Netflix is producing Todd Black. Uh, Denzel Washington. They kept naming names: Viola Davis, you know, uh, Chadwick Boseman. I was like, whoa, whoa, stop, just stop, just stop. You know, I'm doing. It. I don't even, I don't even remember who Cutler is. I know I've seen it before, but you know, I'm going to do it. I don't know if he's got five lines or, well, I don't care. <laughs> you know, but in, when, especially when I heard George Wolf was directing, I knew I wanted to be in that room. That's the thing that I have fought for most of my career: is to be in rooms where I feel like I'm challenged. Everyone is committed to that thing. So I got home and I read it immediately, and I thought I knew I knew exactly why I was asked to be a part of this because I knew um, the challenge of Cutler. I think he's one of the most challenging characters in the play, in the film, because he is truly uh, operating on many different systems. He is uh, part of he's Ma's proxy when she's not in the room. He's also a member of the band. And he's also the the first people, the first person that the the white system see when they enter a room. So he's navigating a whole lot, and I knew it was a dance, and it's a dance of code switching, it's a dance of being deferential but also asserting power. It's a tricky role, and it is a role to truly. It it is not a um, a shiny role, and I knew that it 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 needed to be. It needed to strike that balance. He had to play under these terrific characters like Ma and Levy. He had to give some bass lines to it. He had to, play, he had to play the trombone under it, which is some low notes, to let that other stuff soar and, and be in concert with each other. He had to play his instrument. And the trombone is a very difficult interest, instrument to learn and to play. So all that symbolism went into um, understanding the, um, you know, I was able to do that work that we do in the theater, which is, you know, when we have weeks of rehearsal, I'm able to really make every decision about him, about the way he moves through space and his voice and how I place it, his fingers and his what he eats and all his, all his backstory that no one would ever know. But I can do, and you will see it in a moment or an instant. And even if you don't know it, you'll feel it. It's there. So I was able to do that work and, and do it with these beautiful, beautiful artists. We were all in Pittsburgh just a small company it's not a huge film it's what maybe eight principal act actors and we stayed in the same hotel we ate meals together went for a drink rehearsed with each other helped each other run lines we became this very small acting troupe which was lovely and people came in with you know you have all these legendary actors that you're working alongside but no one came in with their legendary status no one came in with their Black Panther cape. They came in as artists that were interested and hungry and wanted to be fed on August Wilson's language and on what this room could provide. And that's what we did. Honestly, I think, you know, I've, I've had tremendous experiences in my career. And this is truly um, a significant one because it felt very quiet and private, what we were doing. And now I look at it, even in hindsight, it feels like it was very it was touched and it was blessed because we also didn't know the uh, that there was something else in that room that we were uh, we were helping our comrade make a breakthrough with, and whether it was with just energy or light or laughter, working hard. That I felt like I feel like in hindsight, I know that we are part of that journey. It feels very I feel very proud that when I see his work on that screen. And see us playing off of each other. I know what went into it. And all that love and all that interrogation, all that good humor went into that. And it feels truly successful. Mm. You know?
0: Yeah. I mean, Chadwick gives a, a performance of a lifetime as as Levy. And the, the two of you, Cutler and Levy, have you go at it. I mean, you really, that one scene when you are... Yeah. I don't know, challenging faith, but you have a, a, a real battle over your faith. Tell me like what, what, for, for, for our audience, what is it like as, as an actor when you're, when you're approaching that, you know, how is it to, to not only do it, but you have to do it take after take after take, but, but what is it like after for the two actors that are in it for you and Chad? It
1: takes everything. It It, it takes everything you got. I think it's a very rare error that you're able to get to. And I think we got there. And I'm glad that we captured that moment in particular, where Chad is um, challenging me about God's will. I I think that I figured out for Cutler is that his faith is all that he has. That I think he would disintegrate into the floor if he believed otherwise. And so when Levy charges him, he, he presents his receipts in his own life about God, his questions about God's will, it breaks his heart. And, and then Chadwick has to continue with a bit of his monologue. And then he stopped and turned away suddenly. And I felt the energy in the room. I was like, oh, my God, George is going to call cut. But I thought we were on to something, that something else was there. And so I literally started yelling at him. I started yelling, tell me, tell me, tell me. And then he turns around so coolly and says the rest of it about how he believes that God does not love us. Um, and, uh, and then I take a swing at him. And then we go against the wall. George calls cut. And we just throw our arms around each other. And we were both visibly just upset, just crying. I don't know. what I, I do. I'm not going gonna, gonna to stop saying I don't know what we're crying about. I do know what we're crying about. I'm a man of faith. So is he. I'm sorry. I'm a little emotional. Mm-hmm. I, I just lost a friend a few days ago. And I think I've been wrestling with this, this same thought. I just lost a friend at 47 years old to uh, leukemia three days ago. Mm-hmm. And I think it's those questions that I have in my heart as well that possibly Chad had in his heart. Like, why him? Why? He was a good person, a bright light. How can, on God's watch, how can things like this happen? You don't want you don't want to ask that question. Because you feel like, how can I live on this earth? How can I make it through? And now I know, you know, we all know in hindsight what Chad was wrestling with. And possibly that, that question crept in there. Just possibly. I'm not going to say it did. I don't know. But I do know that he was a man. He was a faithful guy. And he was kind. And he was good. And he was strong. And he played by the rules. You know what I mean? And he cared about humanity. And then um, that bright light was taken away so quickly. It's painful. It's pain, it's painful. And I think it's a question that we we may all have. At, well, I'm sure anyone human may have that question at some point in their lives. So that's what that scene was. And I know that I remember after we let go of each other, Glenn Terman said, I've never never seen anything like that in my entire career. And I knew what he meant. Because on that day, I knew I had to be there for Chad. You never know when you're going to be throwing the ball, right? As an artist, you're like, but the ball is mine right now. It's in my hands. And I've got to take care of him. This is what I'm charged with right now. How can I be in service? So I'm grateful that I was able to be in service in that moment. Hoping that moment kept him strong, gave him a place to release, to be able to cry with my brother, Chad, and just hold each other. Two grown men being able to be sensitive and two black men holding on to each other in a world that tries to keep us from doing that. But hopefully um, that gave him some peace and some resolve. And um, I'll never forget it for the rest of my career. I'll never forget that moment because we did I think what John Patrick Shanley says in a forward of one of his um plays he said the hope with theater is to leave room for the divine to reside. And in that moment, I think the divine was there, whatever that was
0: well, um Coleman, I'm deeply sorry for your for your loss of your friend. Thank so you. let me just first say that. Thank you and then I I feel like, that divine is visible in the film, which is why I think people have responded yeah. the way they've responded to it. And I think that it's obviously yeah. in the language of August Wilson, which is just amazing, which which Denzel has promised to do, to bring these plays, to film them so people can see them and have that Netflix effect where everybody all over the world can share in that and to see that, which is just so special. So you're now you're you're working you're doing the show what what's the next like give me the next couple of years in coleman domingo's life where we're, we're
1: Ooh, the next couple of years okay the next couple yeah, of years. yeah
0: what's going on
1: then what's going on well i'm st- i'll still be i think i have another season or so well you never know with this with this zombie show fear the walking dead so i'm i'm maybe still doing that and then i usually have six months off where i do other things and other films I have uh, a few films coming out. I have a, a film called Zola coming out. It was um, at Sundance a, 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 two seasons ago. And of course, it didn't come out last year because of the pandemic. Uh, but it's also it's also starring Taylor Page, who plays Desi May in Ma Rainey. So that's coming out this June. And also Candyman that was written by Jordan Peele and uh, directed by Nia Costa, comes out later this year. And also I did a film with Michael B. Jordan called Without Remorse that will come out soon. And another one with Kelsey Grammer and Julia Stiles called The God Committee.
0: Mm. That'll
1: be, I think it'll be dated soon. And uh, also I'll go back to Euphoria uh, season two. I can't believe it's only season two. It feels like we've been doing it for a long time. So I'll go back to Euphoria season two. I just wrote a musical for the young Vic using the Stacks music catalog. And uh, hopefully we'll go into production at some point. I have uh, another musical called Lights Out in that King Cole that premiered at the Geffen Playhouse that will hopefully premiere on Broadway when Broadway is ready to open its doors again. And, um, you know, and I'm just staying busy doing lots of things. I'm developing some television uh, shows with my production company, Edith productions. And I think we have a couple things that may be getting greenlit soon. So yeah.
0: Oh, that's exciting. So Coleman, what happens when people recognize you on the street? What kind of reactions do you get? I get either, When we used to walk on the street. Let me, let me preface for when we used to walk on the street without masks and people could see us. What would the reactions be? <laughs>
1: uh, there's a thing that I get a lot, which I feel very grateful for. I, fans want to say, can I get a hug? And I think that's the most beautiful thing. Cause I'm like, if I touch somebody enough, if they felt something and whatever I do or the way I represent myself and they say they want my energy. I'm like, yes, come on, let's hug. Let's hug it out. Cause I feel like, that's what I'm trying to do. Whether, and whether I'm in your theater or TV or film, I'm trying to reach out to you. Some people say, oh, can I have a hug? I'm like, yes, come get it. Yes.
0: Oh, I want a Coleman Domingo hug. Are you kidding? I'm going <laughs> to
1: hug you the moment I see you. Just, just so you know, we're <laughs> hugging it out. We're hugging it out. After the pandemic, uh, I'm just I coming. Can't... I'm coming for you.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. I cannot wait for that. We're nearing the end of the show. And at the end of all my conversations, I always ask whomever I'm interviewing what advice they have for the next generation. Here's what Viola had to say.
2: That's a huge question. okay? only because, you know, we're living in a day and age where people don't want to get out of bed unless that job is right. Life is a constant journey. in finding out what you live for. What do you live for? What do you want? Where? What is the center of your joy? I think that what happens too often in life is you follow someone else's idea of what success is and what significance is. And you follow someone else's idea of who you should be. What brings you joy? Where is your bliss? I see it all the time. You know, I wanna write, I wanna be like Issa Rae or Michaela Cole, or you, or whatever. It's like me, you can't be like me, I'm me. That's already <laughs> taken. <laughs> that book was checked out of the library. You know, that's what I would tell them. And you can only find yourself by going out there and doing as much as you can. Not just exploring your art, but exploring your life. Cause if you don't explore your life you have nothing to inform your art. Because you haven't lived enough. So, and you have to fail. You got to fail. You got to fall down and realize who you are in order to get back up.
0: Okay, Coleman, unfortunately, now it's time to say goodbye. Thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Thank you. I appreciate you so much.
0: Absolutely. And congratulations on all the great, exciting stuff around Ma Rainey. It's thrilling. It's so Thank thrilling you. that people are seeing this movie, responding to this movie, and acknowledging the film. It's just so exciting all around. So congratulations.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Be well.
0: bye right. Bye for now. Bye for now. That's our show. Thanks again for listening. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is streaming on Netflix. For more, head over to NetflixQ.com. That's Netflix, Q U E U E.com, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share. Listen in next time for more like this.